This is the 57 Catch-Up Podcast, and it's your boy Dre, and today's topic is about the California reparations proposal and what it all consists of and the current state that is in. So according to thehill.com, I'm going to kind of read over the article. I'm not going to read everything. I'm just going to read the important parts of this article. So they said the California reparations task force will vote on a series of proposals this weekend, which was early of this month that could see um, descendants of slavery living in the state, each receiving up to one point two million dollars. So they said up to watch for, you know, the wording they said up to. So that means that not every black Californian will receive one point two million in the proposal. That depends on, you know, how old you are. Or just, you know, in other words, it's a generational type of reparations that they're giving. So it's age based. It's not, you know, based on, you know, the overall plunder is based on like, you know, how long you've been in California and the time frame that you've been in California. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. And then they were talking about an 800, yeah, an 800 billion dollar deficit that they wanted to, um, you know, make into law regarding this, uh, you know, reparations task force, but are just, you know, creating a reparations bill. But my thing is that, you know, it could come with a lot of complications. You know, first off, I would like to say that, you know, since California was considered to be a free state. It becomes complicated because it was not considered to be a slave state, even though slavery did exist in California. You know, according to the 1849 Constitution, it did say something about, you know, owning slaves was not a crime um, in California at that time, but it was still classified as a free state. So that's the reason why I, I would say that, you know, California is one of those iffy states where it's like they do deserve reparations. But then, but then at the same time, it's like. You know, um, are they going to receive it for slavery, though, in particular? Now, they're talking about all all of the other aspects, the, all of the other aspects of it. But I'm wondering if it's going to, you know, consist of other things uh, within the whole thing. So I would like to kind of give a breakdown as to what the repar- what the reparations is all for. Uh, so I would like to kind of go to the first part of it. So where is the first part of it? Let's see. I'm scroll up a little bit. And it because it, it derived from like the AB 3121 law or bill that they had um, created and stuff like that. And Gavin Newsom at that time, he, you know, approved of it. But then, you know, he allegedly didn't approve of it um, of the I guess the whole, you know, proposal in general, uh, I guess, over time. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that, you know, the deficit is too low or, or whatnot. I'm trying to look for. um, Okay, okay, yeah. So for restitution for mass incarceration and over policing in black communities, the proposal suggests that one hundred fifteen thousand two hundred sixty dollars per person and twenty twenty dollars or two thousand three hundred fifty two for each year of residency in the state since 1971, which was the first year of the war on drugs. So they're they basically are talking about, you know, repairing um you know mass incarceration and over policing in black communities um which sounds good you know but i'm just wondering how come you know slavery didn't you know pop up in the conversation in terms of like you know adding that to the proposal uh what's another thing that they have in this uh proposal or had in the proposal so for those face 
yeah, for those who faced discriminatory housing policies between 1933 and 1977, when redlining mostly occurred, the proposal suggested that $148,099 per person or $3,366 for each year. Um, so to me, I think it's a bit low. I mean, it's a start, but I think these amounts that I just mentioned, um, I just feel like they're a bit low in terms of like, you know, the, the state of inflation that we're in and especially in California, because, you know, in California, the housing market is very expensive. Now, e even nationwide, nationwide in this country, the housing market is very, you know, is getting very expensive. You know, in the state I'm in, you know, in North Carolina, you know, is getting expensive in certain parts of this state as well. So. That's just what I'm saying is that, you know, a lot of people are having a hard time. So I would just say that in the state that we're in right now, in terms of um, the economic side of it, in terms of a lot of people not being able to afford housing like that, I think these amounts are a bit low. I think they're a bit low. That's the reason why I think that it should be done on a federal level instead of a state level, because when you do everything on a state level, you're going to have limitations. See, when you do things on a federal level, you know, you don't have as many limitations because that's where all the money is. You know, that's where the money gets printed out uh, at. And that's where, you know, they make the biggest budget. So I think this is a, this is more of a federal project as ADOS you know, talked about, you know, in the past, they said this is more federal than just state. But you I mean, you could start, you know, on the state level. But I just feel like this is more federal based or federally based instead of state based. Uh, so they were talking about, you know, um, how the black how black families own one tenth of the wealth uh, than, you know, oh, I get of the wealth of like of white families and housing discrimination played a major component in the wealth gap and all that you know that sounds good and all you know they always have all these kind of like you know things that they say about it but i'm just wondering is it going to close the racial wealth gap more so the lineage wealth gap and i just feel like it's not really going to do that now i would say of course it's not over yet because they have until like july 1st to you know make a final decision on this proposal and and to see if they can get it passed but I just feel like, you know, I don't know if it's going to go sour. You know, a lot of outlets have said that Gavin Newsom is not really in favor of it at the moment and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if it has anything to do with the deficit in California in terms of the budget. But I think that, um, you know, maybe they need to make a, a more federal decision right now in terms of, uh, you know, getting that making that into law to make it more national, because if you're just doing it for California, what's going to happen is that, you know, other states are going other states that have been even more affected by, you know, slavery and all other types of disadvantages are going to be overlooked. You know, so my thing is that, yes, yeah, start with the slave states first and then start with the free states, I guess, the ones who had slavery, um, you know, but then, you know, but then it became a free state, you know, just kind of like, you know, trying to you know, repair all of the, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm really looking for? All of the, you know, damages that have been done in multiple states, you know, because, you know, of course, a state like California is going to have a different type of um, a different set of issues is what I'm trying to say. A different set of issues versus like, you know, a place like Louisiana, a place like Texas, a place like North Carolina, South Carolina. So my thing is that, yeah, that's the thing that they should be doing is fo focusing on the ones who actually had slavery first, you know, which were the majority 
uh, which were majority Southern states. You know, like I said, I live in a Southern state myself, so I know for sure that this was a slave state and I do deserve reparations for slavery. And a lot of the people who, a lot of the black people who live in Northern states and Western states, you know, they are products of the great migration. So they still deserve, you know, reparations for slavery because, you know, a lot of them came out of the South, you know, a lot of them migrated out of the South all the way to other states and stuff like that you know there are but still you you have a high black population in the south to this day but then you also do uh have you know a, a certain population of black people who live you know outside of the south as well so my thing is that yeah like focus on the ones who are greatly affected by it and you know see if you can you know um you know, repair that type of damage because, you know, it's a lot of poverty in Mississippi It's a lot of poverty in Alabama, you know, I mean, of course, there's probably some poverty in California, too. So I'm not going to just kind of downplay or nothing like that. But my thing is that, yeah, focus on the ones that need the most attention. Uh, if you're going to do that, you know, uh, or like, you know, just cover it all, you know, all at once. But I know it's kind of easier said than done because they would have to, you know, kind of like get um into all of the meticulous things re regarding this whole thing because of course we have to delineate from you know other black people and especially the ones who are not american uh black people the ones who are like caribbean or afro-latino or african or something like that so that's the thing i think it was an omb thing that happened um i think last month regarding like you know delineation from different black groups in terms of, uh, you know, putting us on the senses and everything like that. I have to pretty much look into that a little bit more. But yeah, it's to kind of delineate uh, us from them in terms of like, you know, um, classifying us a certain way and, you know, kind of getting certain data, a certain type a certain type of empirical or just certain types of empirical data that they can use to kind of like frame everything a certain way because of course we get lumped in with africans caribbeans afro-latinos and black people from europe and things like that so i think it's important for them to even have the omb to do that you know type of thing uh let's see what would i what i what would i like to you know look over right now so i want to kind of go over gavin newsom's comment regarding this whole thing because you know he was you know um he did he was a more approving of like you know the ab 3121 which i am probably gonna get to in a minute but i'm gonna go ahead and look into what gavin newsom said let's see right quick let's see what did he say so they said okay gavin newsom says reparation cash out cash out cash out cash payments uh, to black Californians are on the table. I don't know why this, um, you know, <laughs> this website just acted crazy. So, so they said Gavin Newsom says reparations, cash out payments. I keep saying cash out payments for some reason, cash payouts to black Californians are on the table after backing away from call by his own task force as yeah, as it now calls for raising minimum wage. Okay. So I don't understand why minimum minimum wage uh has gotten put into the conversation uh, that's kind of crazy but uh okay so i guess like the state minimum wage is already uh the second highest which is 15 point well i said 15 point 15 dollars and 50 cents an hour that's the average i guess in california right that seems like it's good but i i just feel like you know that's still the the bare minimum 
that's not really kind of getting to, you know, um, the nitty and the gritty of it. So they said it approved, I guess, like the um, the um, reparations proposal. Um, so I guess they were saying it approved this last or final recommendations last week for uh, reparations payments of a minimum of three hundred sixty thousand dollars for black Californians through. Well, though, my bad, though, the uh, the payments may go up to one point two million. Uh, I don't think they're going to do the 1.2 million thing. Uh, if if they do, it's going to be very few black people that get 1.2 million because not all black people that live in California, especially not all black Americans that live in California are 71 or older or and and or older. Uh, most of, you know, a lot of those Californians that are black in California, you know, they might be under the age of 71. Uh, so I'm wondering how are they going to be able to, you know, um, you know, work that out? Because I'm just saying that, you know, some might not get as much back as uh, the others if they were to, um, you know, pass this all the way. So they said on Tuesday, I guess that was I don't know if that was last week or the week before last. But they said on Tuesday, Gavin Newsom um, declined to endorse any specific recommendations made by the task force, as he argued that dealing with the effects of slavery and discrimination is about much more than a cash payment or than cash payments. Uh, Newsom's office uh, later clarified his statements on a statement to the Sacramento Bee. And then they said the sensationalized framing in pieces uh, published by outlets like Fox News and others is inaccurate. Uh, the governor looks forward to reviewing the final report and all recommendations when complete. The matter will be resolved after Newsom meets with the legislative leaders in the coming months. The uh, spokesperson added. So I guess uh, the whole thing of, uh, you know, him declining the offer or declining to approve reparations or just the proposal of it, you know, I guess it was blown out of proportion. Now, he did say it's more than cash payments. So, of course, people are going to assume that he meant that, you know, he's not in favor of it. Uh, and then I think it was like a senator or something like that, that uh, kind of doubled down on that and said that we're that, uh, you know, black Californians are basically not going to get, you know, any cash payments or any checks or whatnot. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, exactly how this is going to go. But so far, what I've known about it um, is that, you know, by June, well, on June 29th, they're going to have another, um, I guess, panel discussion regarding this whole thing, because they have to like put in the proposal by July 1st. So they have until July 1st to, you know, make that complete decision. So I don't know if they're going to tweak a little bit of it or if they're going to, you know, continue to have the same old proposal. Um, I just feel like it doesn't really add, you know, slavery to it. So it becomes complicated. And also to knowing the, uh, the deficit is smaller than $800 billion. So it's like, they're trying to push for $800 billion in total, um, for cap for black Californians. And I'm wondering, you know, is that going to be able to be passed? Because it's like, you're going to have to put it towards the, the federal level or, you know, kind of take it towards the federal government because they have a bigger budget. You know, that's where all the money goes. I mean, that's where all the money is my bad. That's where all, well, it goes too. Yeah. So that too, like that's where all the money goes as far as like our tax dollars. And that's where all the money is in terms of like the federal reserve printing out money and doing all of that type of stuff. So yeah, I, I feel like the idea might seem good on the surface, but I just feel like they lack 
certain things within the proposal that I think should have been in there. I think that, you know, they have missed the mark in certain ways. And I just feel like they're piecemealing reparations instead of actually looking into like the depths of, you know, how to fix, you know, um, Cali black Californians in that specific area, specifically black Americans that live in California. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, like for the ones who were, you know, there from 1933 and 1977, I'm wondering, like, you know, most of those black people in that that grew up in that era might actually have passed away by now or some of them are on the brink of like you know perishing so i'm just wondering you know why would they give them more even though they could be you know near i hate to say it kind of near dead or whatever so i'm just saying that like you know it would make more sense to give you know the younger Californians, black Californians, um, more of the reparations because they have more years ahead of them as opposed to the ones who are geriatric. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't get the reparations. I just, I, I'm just saying that they might not have that long to live. And I would say that they can probably just go ahead and pass it down to their, um, their grandkids and their kids. So that's the reason why I feel like they, why they missed the mark in that way. And I just feel like it's just kind of like, you know, here and there I, I feel like they're just kind of doing you know uh little trinkets trinkets or something like that you know it just feels like they're just kind of like th throwing numbers out there i feel like all of these numbers that they um have been putting out there are just kind of arbitrary type of numbers where it's just by random you know selection or something like that not by you know um you know how it should be measured or something like that so i'm just saying that okay they said that it's roughly like roughly like you know 2.5 2.6 million uh black, uh black californians that live there now i would say if you disaggregate i'm wondering you know um are is it going to be low you know lower or is it going to be like roughly the same so um because of course not all of the black californians there are black americans some of them within that population are most likely immigrants or people who come from immigrant backgrounds. So I'm wondering, you know, that number is going to be less and less, even though that could be, you know, an advantage because it's like they could pay out more, the less of uh, the population is, especially within California among black Californians that are American descendants of slavery. Um, but I would say that, yeah, like um, I think the way that they need to make the calculation should be based on like the people, you know, the black Americans that are in a specific um, location. And, and I would say even nationally do the same thing where it's like, you know, count the heads of all the black Americans that uh, would benefit from reparations or who do qualify for reparations. And then, you know, kind of make calculations on that as to, you know, how much, you know, would each one get because. I know since, you know, um, a lot of us live here, I think it's roughly, let's see, what's the black population in America, the black American population, the black American population, because I know they're going to lump us in with, you know, other black people. So, okay, the black American population, I'm going to type that in. I, I want to get the stats on that. So they said, okay, in overview. So they said in 2021, 40.1 million people in the United States were considered to be non-Hispanic black alone, which represents 12.1% of the total population of 
331.9 million. So black slash African-Americans are the second lar largest minority population in the United States following the Hispanic Latino population. So we're the second largest minority group. So I guess, you know, the Hispanics are starting to, you know, um, increase in population because I did hear something a while back that said that, you know, this nation is going to be a more brown nation, which means that it's going to be more Hispanic. It's going to be very Hispanic, you know, by um, I think was it 2030 or 2040? I have to look that up a little bit more. And they said that the white population is set to decrease by 2040. Uh, now the black population is probably going to be somewhere in the middle. I think it's going to be roughly 14 to 15 percent of the population by a certain time. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer economically because they did say that you know the black wealth um, will drop to zero by 2053. It might be sooner than that, you know, because, of course, with the pandemic, it uh, expedited that type of number uh, because, of course, you know, it, it caused a lot of people to lose their jobs. It caused a lot of people to, um, you know, to be affected by COVID and everything like that. So I would say that it actually ex expedited that instead of, you know, um, try to, you know, find ways to, you know, fix it or whatnot. So, yeah, I, I just feel like, yeah, if we start to kind of disaggregate and stuff like that we'll see that you know our population is probably less than 40.1 million people if you're talking about like you know um african americans or black americans or ados people you're gonna have to kind of like look into how you know specificity you know as ados always you know say they say you know specificity is very is key is key in this whole thing so i just feel like um they need to kind of do that type of thing um because of course when you say black that's a very um, that's a very, you know, broad type of term. So they said, let's see. Oh, so they said that New York City has the largest people. Um, a number of people reported as black, I guess, you know, in that. So they said two point three million. Oh, I'm surprised by that because I thought that the majority of, you know, I guess they're talking about black Americans, you know, making up, you know, uh, the population further south. I guess because, of course, New York is like a melting pot. So when they say black, of course, I know they mean like Caribbeans, black Americans, uh, Afro Latinos, uh, you know, continental Africans, um, Africans that come from the UK. Well, not just the UK, but just from Europe and all these other, you know, places and stuff like that. That's pretty much what it is, because, of course, you know, we're not just a monolith and everything like that. So you have to kind of break it down a little bit more. So I would say that if you kind of disaggregate that number or delineate from that number, you'll probably see that we are actually not the largest number of, you know, people within that group, I guess you can say. I mean, you're starting to see now that it's a lot of immigrants that are going to take over. And that's and this is no slight at immigrants who are black or whatnot, because I do think that they do have a place here. I do think that some of them are allies. You know, I don't have anything against black immigrants at all. My thing is that, you know, I just feel like in order for us to get the reparations going, we're going to have to delineate. We're going to have to like figure out a way like, OK, who gets reparations here specifically and who doesn't, you know, and I'm, I'm supportive of CARICOM. CARICOM, you know, of course, that's a reparationist movement in the Caribbean where they, you know, are fighting for reparations um, there, you know, in specific Caribbean places like Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, 
um all of these other all the all of the other caribbean islands and stuff like that you know because of course slavery happened there too so i'm not i'm not saying that it didn't happen there because of course there's this narrative on social media that you know black americans have not acknowledged the fact that caribbean people have endured slavery as well yeah we I, you know i know that you know i'm pretty knowledgeable on that but my thing is that it has to be specific to the caribbean it can't be a thing of you trying to get reparations here because of course if i were to go to you know the islands and try to fight for reparations for myself i know that that, that i would probably not get them because i'm not um you know caribbean so i'm just saying that we have to have delineation delineation is key so i would expect them to delineate from us and i would expe expect black americans to delineate from them in terms of the whole reparations thing so they can be allies they can fight with us but they have to understand that reparations is not going to be for them here. It's, it could be for them in the Caribbean, such as, you know, going against the British, going against the Spanish, going against the French, going against those type of colonial powers that colonize you. I would say that would be the key thing for you to do. Or, like I said, going to your government specifically in the nation that you come from, that would kind of like, you know, um, help with that whole problem in that way. Um, so what I would like to kind of like do to conclude this episode is that I would like to say that, yeah, I feel like they need to do something about this whole thing. I, I feel like everything is just kind of all over the place. And I just think that, you know, they should have had Yvette and Tone at the, um, at the panel discussion. So that way they could kind of like give them a breakdown as to, you know, how the reparations should be distributed and, you know, how they can move from the state to the federal level and all of that type of thing. Because, of course, both of those people have, you know, political science degrees. So people who have political science degrees, they know a lot about politics and they know how to break everything down. So I'm just saying that we do need people like Yvette and Tone and other scholars that, you know, are very well read or very well versed on, you know, you know, politics, especially black politics and things like that. We do need more of those scholars. Um, that's not to say that they're the only ones, but of course, there's plenty of black scholars out there, you know, that are very keen on, you know, educating the people. You know, they have educated me so much in terms of, you know, me knowing a lot about politics now because I used to not be into politics. But then when they shared the data with a lot of people as far as like, you know, the empirical data regarding, you know, the black uh, black people's wealth level, especially black Americans wealth level versus white people's wealth level. And, um, you know, talking about, you know, how much we make per household and things like that. I mean, talking about the median income and the average income. Yeah. You know, it made a lot of sense because it's like they're speaking to the ones that actually are affected by it the most. And, you know, you know, I really have to give it to them as, as far as like them really breaking down all of that stuff, you know, in terms of the, in terms of the whole people of color nonsense that they that people like to kind of push forward. So it's a lot of stuff I've, I've learned from, you know, the ADOS movement and everything. So I think they should have been included into this discussion, especially there in California, because they know way more than all of the ones that were there you know all of the ones that were there they were scatterbrained and you know it was even almost a brawl there you know with Tariq Nasheed and um all of, and I think it was somebody else as well so it's like it's a lot of you know um Cointel Pro type people that actually 
were there at the you know the panel discussion which was kind of crazy so yeah i just feel like you know now it's time to kind of weed out all of the grifters and it's time to kind of get down to the nitty and gritty of like you know getting these reparations going you know because i just feel like if we don't get this going now the wealth level will drop by 2053 and we're not going to be able to live that american life that we're i mean some of us are living the american dream quote unquote right and then but then the majority of us are not really living that way so it's like it's going to be even worse like i said in the future if we don't get anything done about it now now i know that people might think that you know jobs are going to fix it and stuff like that but of course you know uh that seems like it's good but i would say no nah, it's not it's not going to close the racial wealth gap it's going to close it might close the income gap a little bit but it's not going to close the the wealth gap so what i'm saying is that yeah i mean a long time ago tone and um you know sandy darity you know they have gone over the whole thing of you know the 10 myths of closing the racial wealth gap you know saying that a job you know a jobs guarantee doesn't close the racial wealth gap or learning a soft skill or starting a business or uh what's the another myth um black celebrity aspirationalism um it was so many I, I might need to look look at all of the myths that they had okay the 10 myths and then I'm going to close after that on closing the racial wealth gap. Let's see. So let's see right quick. This was like, I think it was uh, reported maybe back in 17. It was like Derek Hamilton or I think this is either Derek or Derek Hamilton. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Tone, like Antonio Moore, and uh, what's his name? Sandy Darity or William Darity. So these are like the 10 myths. So they said greater educational attainment or more work effort on the part of blacks uh, will close the racial wealth gap. So that's one myth of uh, home ownership. That's another myth. Buying and banking black. That's also a myth. Uh, black people saving more money. That's a myth. Greater financial literacy. That's a myth. Entrepreneurship. That's a myth. Emulating successful minorities. That's a myth. Improved soft skills. That's a myth. Or personal, I guess, personal responsibility like do for self, do for selfism. Uh, the growing number of black celebrities, you know, as I just mentioned, um, that's a myth and then the black family disorganization that's a myth so all of these things have been broken down in a lot of ways and um we have to kind of like educate ourselves on like what will close the racial wealth gap which is like like uh yvette was saying and many different you know shows that she's done you know the lineage wealth gap is that you know we need to understand what will close it and what won't close it so i'm glad that they have had this report you know for for years now to kind of educate you know every black person about how wealth works and and what closes it and what doesn't so even you know a, um i guess like a white person that didn't go to high school or the ones that didn't finish high school have way more wealth than a black person that you know um went to college so there are some black people that went to college that have less wealth than black than white people who actually didn't go to high not didn't go to high school but didn't finish high school so that tells you something right there that it's more than just income it has a lot to do with the fact that we've been locked out of wealth so now i would like to conclude this episode and i will speak to you guys next time thank you